Hey, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Brownsbridge Church podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download the Brownsbridge Church app where you can access all of our recent message content as well as find out more information about Brownsbridge Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. So I, I really wanted to wear khakis and a red golf shirt to look like Jake from State Farm uh, today uh, as we talk about like a good neighbor. Uh, but the team said no. The team, they vetoed me on it. So um, before I was a pastor, some of you know this, but before I was a pastor, I was a salesman. I actually sold surgical devices, uh, which meant that I would go into hospitals and surgery centers all around the state of Georgia. And I would go into the operating room and I would distract doctors while they were doing surgery and try to get them to buy my product. It's essentially the way that worked. Um, but I, I remember when I first started out, uh, you know, they shipped me off to our headquarters for two weeks to go through our corporate training for salespeople. And it was, if you've had a sales job before, you've been to things like this, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. But it was all day, every day uh, in a classroom, basically learning all the ins and the outs of the product that I was about to sell. And this was my, the, the first time I got into to sales, uh, surgical device sales. It was the first sales job I'd ever really had. Um, first outside sales job, at least. And so uh, I just thought, well, hey, if they're going to bring us in and, and teach us two weeks all day, every day on all this information, then my job is to simply go out there into these hospitals and surgery centers and just spew all this information on the staff and the doctors. And then magically, they'll just buy my product. That's what I thought, but that's not the way it works. And if you've ever been in sales, you, you know that's not the way it works. And I, I learned pretty quickly as I went in and it was just this gung-ho young salesman. I was like, hey, let me tell you about all the great features of our product. It does this and this and this and this and this. And I just started bringing all that stuff there. And they're like, okay, have you signed in yet? You're not allowed to be in here if you hadn't signed in yet, okay? You need to go do that. In fact, just email the office. They'll set up a time for us to talk, you know, and you could tell they would find their ways out of the conversation. And what, what I discovered over time is the same thing that really all salespeople discover, regardless of what kind of sales you're in, is you got to find out what matters to the person that you're trying to sell to. Specifically for me, it was doctors, right? And I needed to find out what mattered to them and specifically what mattered most. And there was a number of different things. Doctors fell into different categories. Some of them wanted to save time. Some of them wanted, they, they wanted efficient surgery days. They didn't want the patient to be under very long. And so if you could save them time, then they were interested in hearing more. Others were worried about costs. They wanted to keep costs down and maybe they were running their own surgery center and they knew that, that uh, you know, the X and O's they needed to equal out. And, and, uh, and so they, if you could save them money, they would hear more about your product. Some of them were uh, really into new technology and kind of cutting edge, better ways, newer ways to do surgeries. And so if that was their thing, then you'd have to bring kind of that angle to the table if you wanted to keep the conversation going with them. Some of them wanted better patient outcomes and things that they would measure post-op and, and they would look at the data and say, hey, I wanna see this number increase or this number decrease. And there was a number of different things that would matter the most to those specific doctors, but whatever it was, I had to find out that thing. I had to find out what's most important to them. Otherwise, I was wasting my breath, wasn't I? I mean, I'd go in there and I'd tell them about all the features and all the marketing material and I'd hand them brochure after brochure after brochure and they would take brochure after brochure and brochure and they would just drop it right in the trash. 
you know, as I walked out of the office. And it's because I would say a lot of things that didn't really matter to them. I had to find out what matters most to them. This is true, not just of sales, but it's true in life as well, isn't it? It's just true of people in general, relationships, dating relationships, friendships. It's important to know what matters most to the other person. Uh, In parenting, it matters uh, to, to, to know what matters to our kids In work, even if you're not in sales, if you want to develop trust and rapport in your organization, it matters. It matters what matters to people and specifically what matters most. What's the one thing they really, really care about? I'm going to share a story with you. It's just kind of like a hypothetical story, okay? Um, Let's just imagine for a second that my wife, Kelly, was leaving the house and she was leaving me and and the boys at the house. She was going to be gone for a couple hours. And she asks me, hey, the, the laundry is almost done in the washer. Will you flip the laundry over to the dryer? This is completely a hypothetical situation, okay? All right. Any likeness to characters or events are completely coincidence, Okay. But if she's, if she's leaving the house and says, hey, will you just flip the laundry? Will you just flip the laundry? She has just told me what matters most to her, hasn't she? And then what do I do? Again, hypothetically, if this was a real scenario, what, what, what would I? Well, well I, can't, I can't do it right away, right? It's still got 10 minutes, 15 minutes left before the cycle finishes, before I can move it over to the dryer. So what happens in my mind? I completely forget about the laundry, you know? And I may do some really good things with that next two hours. I mean, I may uh, complete level three of call of duty. I uh, may catch up on email and, no, but seriously, I may, I may do some really productive things. I, I may fix the, the handle on the door that was shaky. I may clean up or tidy up the kitchen, clean the kitchen, tidy up the garage. And, but does it matter what I do in those two hours if I don't flip the laundry? That guy knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) Hypothetical situation, right? Yeah, Yeah, it doesn't matter at all, right? Because I've missed out on the one thing that she wanted me to do. I mean, I could even say, hey, honey, I built a new pergola in the backyard while you were gone. I think the husbands in here can relate to that. But it matters what matters most to people. And this is true with gifts. If you're, you're wanting to get somebody something, show them appreciation. You got to know what ma- what's meaningful to them, what matters in their lives. Again, if you're parenting, this is both a positive and a negative. If you're trying to discipline your kid, you got to know the things that are, are kind of the, the things in their life that they really, really love. Because those are often the things we take away, right? When, when we're trying to discipline them, whether it's the iPad or it's the, the phone or the iWatch or the girlfriend or the boyfriend, it's like, you, you, you know what you have to limit. And, and, you know, a lot of times with, with, uh, as parents, we'll send our kids to their room. You know, it's like, hey, no, you know, I'm tired of it. You go to your room. Well, you got to know what matters to them. For an introverted child, they may really like going to their room. Like you send them to their room for two hours to read a book and they're in heaven. They're not in discipline. They're like, wow, my mom and dad must really love me because I got in trouble and they sent me to my room. This is awesome, right? And the same thing, on a, that, that's kind of the negative side of it, of, of discipline. But also when you're just trying to develop relationship and stay connected to your kids, you gotta, you gotta be into what the things that they're into. You have to be aware of the things that matter to them. You gotta know. You gotta know what matters most to people. 
And there was this moment in the life of Jesus where he was actually asked, what matters most to God? I mean, I know that a lot of things matter to him, but what matters most to him? Gospel writer Matthew documents this interaction that Jesus has. He says that an expert in the law was trying to trick Jesus. We don't know exactly what he was trying to do, but he came up to Jesus and he posed this question. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now in the Old Testament scriptures, there were 613 commandments. There were 613 things that God had asked the ancient Israelite people to do. And so what he's saying in essence is what, out of all those things he's asked us to do, out of all those things that matter to God, what, what matters the most? What's the thing that God cares most about? And Jesus replied and he said this, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. Now this really wouldn't have been a surprise to anybody in the audience. He was quoting Deuteronomy 6, which is a very famous passage of scripture from the Hebrew scriptures. It actually was a a daily prayer that the Israelites would recite. It was called the Shema. And it said, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. They would recite that prayer every single day. And it says in Deuteronomy 6, after it, it, it says this, it says, hey, Im- impress these things, teach them to your kids. Talk about them when you're at home. Talk about it when you're on the road. Think about them and, and be reminded of them when you get up and when you lie down at night. Tie them to your hands. And so they literally would tie tassels to the end of their clothing as a reminder of the Shema. Bind them to your foreheads, write them on your door frames. Ancient Israelites actually, um, and this practice is actually still practiced today, but um, they, they found a shortcut for this because they couldn't necessarily write that whole prayer. It'd be pretty hard to write that whole f- prayer on a door frame. And so they would have a scribe that would take a tiny little scroll and write out the Shema on it. They would roll it up and put it in a little box. The little box was called a mezuzah and they would nail it to the door frame. And so if you ever see reenactments of, uh, you know, New Testament times or um, uh, in, in the ancient uh, Jewish culture, uh, like the chosen, if you've ever seen the chosen, it's awesome uh, dramatization of the New Testament, but you'll see the, the folks walk through the door frames and they'll kiss their fingers and touch this little metal box on the door frame. When they're doing that, they're touching the mezuzah, the little metal box that holds this prayer right here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. For centuries, for centuries and centuries, they prayed this. Not just once a day, but multiple times a day. The ancient Israelites, they knew that this was the thing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the question asker, again, we don't, we don't have a ton of information on him, but the person who's asked Jesus this question, he would have known that this should have been the answer. He was expecting Jesus to say this. And again, he was trying to trick him. And so we don't know what angle that he was going at, but he, he had Jesus right where he wanted him. I mean, when Jesus said this, he was like, yep, that's what I thought he was going to say. And right as the expert in the law starts to make his point, starts to make his move, Jesus does something he wasn't expecting. Jesus continues talking. The expert of the law was thinking to himself, What? He's supposed to stop. 
I mean, the right answer is this right here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. There is nothing else. That is the greatest commandment. And Jesus says, oh, but there, there is something else. And without stopping, without even taking a breath, Jesus says, and the second, the second is like it. So he's about to introduce another command. And he says it's like it, meaning it agrees. It has the same form as, the same likeness. It's in the same way as the first. Jesus is saying this second one, you can't separate it from the first. It's second, but there's not any drop off in importance. It's second, but it's just like the first. Jesus continues and says this, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. This wasn't a new thought to the Israelites. Jesus was actually quoting another verse, Le- Leviticus 19, 18, one that they would have been familiar with. It was another command that was kind of common in their day and age, but Jesus took it and connected it with the greatest command. He elevated it and said, hey, you wanna know what matters most to God? It's this right here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself, one thing, together. And I don't know if the expert in the law was, if he was puzzled, he might've been confused. He might've already been offended. He might've already been getting angry. But if he was puzzled and confused before, Jesus was about to, to really work him up because he says this next, he says, all the law, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. All of your expertise, Mr. Expert in the law, all your knowledge and your understanding, it ultimately boils down to these two things. It's these two things, love God and love people. Love God and love people. They're, they're, they're separate, but they're connected. There's, there's no importance difference between the two of them. So I can't just say one. The second is like it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the interesting thing is this part right here is impossible to see in other people, isn't it? I mean, we may think we see it, right? Like through certain things, oh, church attendance or, you know, someone reading their Bible or things they do. It's like, oh yeah, that person, you know, they, they, they really love God, but... but Ultimately, if we're honest, we we can't see inside someone's mind or heart. Someone's love of God, their their intimacy with God, their, their own heart towards God, we can't really see. This is impossible to see. But this one right here is impossible to hide. Loving other people is obvious. You can't help but for people to see it. If this is invisible, then it's not there. If this is invisible, then that's an indication that we're only doing one of these two things. And unfortunately, throughout church history, uh, the the church has had a, a complicated relationship with this second one. There's some really, really bright spots in church history where the church led the way on loving people. 
And nowadays we, we see hospitals and we see charities and nonprofits and we just think they're, we, we take them for granted. We think they're just a part of life and cultural life. 2000 years ago, that was not the case. The church actually started the first hospitals ever. They were the ones who spearheaded that type of caring for the sick. They were, they were the first to, to care for the poor and the needy and the homeless and orphan and widows 2000 years ago. That was not part of cultural society, ancient Rome or ancient Greece. The church was the one that led that way. And now, nowadays in our, our culture, those things have kind of been secularized. And again, we just take them for granted, like these things are here. And, um, but the church is the one that led the way on that. It led the way on loving people. But then there's also been some other times in church history where we've not done that, that great of a job. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, Maybe you're a critic of Christianity. Maybe you're, um, you know, you were invited by a friend who offered you lunch if you would come to church or your kids wanted to come and experience something, but you're like, yeah, I just, I don't know if I believe all this. Maybe part of why you don't believe is because someone you knew, someone you were close to did this, but didn't do this. You felt like, you know, they, they loved God. They seemed to love God. They seemed to have a relationship with him. I mean, their church attendance and that they would always talk about God. Even when, you know, the conversation wasn't going that way, they would always bring back, bring back God into the conversation. And, and yet somehow they mistreated you in some way, shape or form, or they, they didn't mistreat you. They mistreated somebody else, or they talked about somebody else in a way. And you thought, wow, if that's Christianity, I I don't know if I want any part of that. That's you today. Here's the good news. What you saw in that person when they didn't do this was a departure from Christianity. It was actually missing out on what Jesus called us to do. What, what you're kind of re, re, revolting against in your heart of like, Ew, I just, I was so hurt by that. I will never be a person of faith. What you're revolting against is not the core of Christianity. It's not the core of what it means to follow Jesus. This is love God and love people. Jesus was saying, these are the same thing. You can't do one without the other. And if you depart from one, you depart from the other. Jesus was saying, this, this, this is what matters most to God. This is how he summed it up. Another way you could say it is, is that your neighboring, how you neighbor, your, your neighboring is a reflection of your Christianing. Your neighboring is a reflection of your Christianing. Christians should be like a good neighbor. And if Christians should be like a good neighbor, well, that means that the church should be like a good neighbor. The church is an entity, is a, an organization. Jesus, Jesus called it an ecclesia, a gathering of people that were followers of him. If, if that's what we are and individually we're each supposed to be a good neighbor, then the church itself should be a gathering of good neighbors and it should have the same net effect on the community. Our community should say, you know what? We are glad that they are here. In fact, any church, when they live this out, the community should say, we are glad they're here. Don't know if we buy into everything they buy into. 
Don't know if we believe everything that that they believe. Not sure about Jesus being the son of God. Not sure about his death and his resurrection. But goodness, I'm glad they're in this community. I'm glad that they are our business owners and there are employers and there are employees. I'm glad that our kids go to school with their kids. I'm glad that we live next door to them. I'm glad that they're on our sports teams. That should be the net effect when we're truly following out what Jesus has called us to do, what Jesus said matters most to God. Our neighboring is a reflection of our Christianing. And this is one of the reasons, this is one of the reasons why we do Be Rich every year. If you're new around here, Be Rich is a season uh, where we give our dollars, we serve with our time and we love the community around us. And this is something we do all year long, but in this Be Rich season, we kind of consolidate everything. We get, it's a focus of our church where we all come together and make a really, really big impact. We kicked it off last week. Um, kicked it off last week and Andy encouraged all of us to give. Um, he said, hey, you, you, you give to be rich and 100% of it, 100% of it goes to nonprofit partners in our community that are already doing incredible, incredible things. This week, we're highlighting serve. We want everybody to step up and serve with one of our service opportunities and our many nonprofit partners. And as we said, you know, say every single year, we've got some heroes in this community that are already doing incredible things for our kids, for our students, for folks in need in our community. And we just come alongside them and say, hey, what can we do to help you go further, faster? What would make a big difference for you? And what would help you make a big difference? And then they come back with their dreams and with, hey, if we could do this, if we could do X, if we could do Y and we Z, and and then we try to fund it as best we can. And then we send volunteers to them to help accomplish those goals as well. Again, we've got a number of different amazing partners that do this. But as we wrap up our time today, I want to introduce you to one partner in particular. Carrie, would you go ahead and make your way up? Can we give a big round of applause to Executive Director of Mentor Me North Georgia, Carrie Carithers. Have a seat, Carrie. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. I, uh, every year, get to go to a, a big breakfast that Mentor Me North Georgia does uh, down at Lanier Tech. And when I'm there, I'm always so surprised at a couple different things. The turnout, it's a huge, huge packed room. So many people involved in this amazing organization. There's county officials, there's state representatives, our first responders are there, the sheriff's office, a lot of our um, education staff from throughout the county is there. But then one of my favorite things is I see tons and tons of Brownsbridge people at the breakfast as well. And so we'll run into each other and be like, oh, I didn't know you were involved with Mentor Me. And be like, oh, I didn't know you were involved in Mentor Me. And it ends up being this, this cool little interaction. But um, so I know about Mentor Me. I get to see it firsthand. Um, a lot of the folks here volunteer and know about it. But for the folks that don't, tell us a little bit about Mentor Me and sure. what you guys do. So Mentor Me North Georgia provides community-based mentoring programs that cater to students kindergarten through 12th grade um, in our community. And we believe that every child deserves the opportunity to reach their full potential, regardless of their financial ability or extenuating life circumstances. So mentoring is really a proactive approach that builds relationships, that boosts self-confidence, 
It supports social and emotional well-being. It creates pathways for brighter futures, and it helps move the needle with academic um, achievements. That's great. And you have three different components to your to mentor me. You got one-on-one mentoring, right? Yep. And then what were the others? Uh, mentoring after school and the yep. Connect Club. You want me yep. to talk about that? Yeah, okay. sure. So um, our one-to-one program matches an adult with a youth, and our focus there is to meet the child where they are, help discover what their greatest needs are, and then really how you can help them grow and navigate to be the best versions of themselves. Our mentoring after school program does K through five, and that is more academic focused and most of the students in that program are not reading at their current grade level. So that is a huge priority for us. However, our mentors are also there to assist with any type of homework after school um, and and in any subject area. And really what they're doing is building relationships and nurturing a love for learning. Uh, Connect Club programs is our group-based program and um, we have advanced to serve elementary, middle and high school. We do it during the school day. So our objective there is to just support social and emotional well-being and the development of the students. We create a safe space where they can be themselves. Um, and most of the times they, they refer to this time as a brain break. And then we come alongside and lead them through group activities and group discussions about contemporary topics while um, in putting in some basic life workshop skills. So the goal is to equip them with resources and different strategies to make better decisions, um, to encourage better peer interaction, um, and just to show up better every day. Yeah, that's great. One of the highlights of the breakfast every year is the when they'll tell specific stories from kids and you hear how it impacts a certain individual and it's always so so encouraging. How many students do you impact? How many mentors do you have? How many hours does that represent? So we track all that data a month to month per program and then we kind of report that impact out by school year. So the school year that we just closed out, 2022, 2023, we served 2,453 students collectively. Um, We engaged with 309 volunteers that provided 5,954 student mentoring hours. That's incredible. And how does Brownsbridge and Be Rich come alongside you guys and partner with you? So what inspires me most about our partnership is just the way we've cultivated a relationship together Being able to have those candid conversations about what is our organization's greatest needs, what would move us further faster, and the what ifs um, um, are very empowering to me personally, but as my role as an executive director, it's very encouraging. The Be Rich campaign has been a huge part of providing financial stability for our programs for many years. Um, But more importantly, what it does is it affords us the opportunity to expand our resources, extend our outreach even further, and serve and, and impact the students who need us most. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention about COVID and the shutdown. Um, It was a challenging time for the entire world. Y'all remember that? (laughs) Sorry to bring it up again, but I have an important message. Um, We weren't able to run our largest fundraising event that year. And for a nonprofit, that's a big deal. So um, we were very uncertain at times. 
the way in which you all showed up that year, our conversation was, was very different, but what you gifted us was truly the catalyst that restored our hope. Reaffirm that working together, we are stronger and even a nonprofit yeah. can overcome adversity. That's really awesome. So you, if you have been here for several years, you gave to Be Rich a couple years ago. Um, you may not even know that, but you kept an amazing organization um, you kept them running during a really, really hard time of COVID and uh, allowed them to continue to impact kids in an incredible way. Um, one of the things, Carrie, uh, she called me about a month ago and said, hey, we're going to this mentoring summit in Athens. It's for the entire state of Georgia. And in, my, in the registration for the event, they said, hey, would you nominate somebody for the Impact Award? It's an Impact Award. It's a, an award that goes to a community partner that's kind of come alongside and helped you um, with your mission and, and, and with mentoring and the impact that you have. And so Carrie ended up nominating us and y'all, we won. Brownsbridge yes. won the Impact Award. <clears throat> so some of our team was able to go up there and, and, um, and receive the award. It was just an incredible day and it's such an honor. Thank you for thinking of us. And um, Carrie ended up sending me what she filled out for the, uh, when she registered and how she nominated us for the nomination. And I read it and I thought, well, no wonder we won. She, <laughs> like the things you said about it was just, it was just really, really incredible. But well, and, and really that's, you know, it's just our way of honoring and recognizing the work that you do and not just for, for our organization, but how much yeah. you do to strengthen our community and, and meet all the needs. Y'all are just phenomenal. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. It's great to partner with you. Um, what are some of the other creative ways? I know this is one of the things that you put in the nomination, but outside of finances and volunteer support, how else have we come along? Yes, you? outside of those two things, um, really it is these small things that you all do for us throughout the year that just build momentum and plus the experiences for our youth. For example, I'll look down at my phone and it'll say, we have this school supplies. Would this benefit your MOS students too? We have a hundred Uno game cards. Would this be great at, at your connect clubs? Um, do I have 50 journals left over? Could this be a one-to-one -one activity that done together? Um, and just all the snacks that just appear at our office from you guys. Um, <laughs> But what resonates most with me is just the overall thoughtfulness you have of our organization and how you continue to come alongside us, even in the smaller ways. It's really awesome. So uh, we're talking about Be Rich Serve this week, and obviously there's some opportunities with Mentor Me, but a number of different organizations as well. What would you encourage our people with when it comes to serving and giving our time? So first and foremost, um, our volunteers are the heartbeat of our organization and the reason why, why we thrive. And we could not accomplish what we have thus far without our volunteers. And I think that go, speaks to all nonprofit organizations. Volunteers are a critical part of the mission. Um, and I think it's as simple as this. Uh, ask yourself a few questions. What's important to you? What is something that you're passionate about? What's an area that you want to impact, be the change, and join a movement? And go on some field trips. Go visit these amazing nonprofits. Um, ask to be connected to a current volunteer and learn their, their why. At Mentor Me, you can come observe one of our programs. Seeing it takes on a whole different meaning. 
Um, I often hear, I don't think I will be good at this. So that's our job to remove those barriers. And we provide you with resources. We provide you with one-on-one training, group training. Um, We even have a manual that says the do's and don'ts of being a good mentor and lays out um, best practices for you um, to set you up for success. And I have one last thing to say is you don't have to be an adult to be a mentor. So I'm seeing some middle and high school students out here. Mentoring after school with the elementary kids is super rewarding. You'll earn credit hours. Please come, come talk to us if you're looking for something to do. So good, so good. Well, can we thank Carrie one more time for the amazing things they do in the community. So grateful, so grateful. Actually, Carrie, Carrie, can you come back up here? She doesn't know I'm gonna do this. Can you come back up here? <clears throat> So one of the things we asked you when we said what would help you go further faster and what would help you make a big difference is you guys are looking to hire a full-time program director. And because of the generosity of the folks here and of Be Rich, we wanted to present you with a check to get that started and be able to hire that person. So thank you so much for all you do. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So again, Mentor Me North Georgia, one of many partners that we partner with during this season. And uh, today, all of our service opportunities open up and you can scan the QR code on your chair. You can go to berich.org slash serve if you're watching online, berich.org slash serve if you're watching online. Um, but you scan that code and click on Be Rich Serve and it'll take you to the page and there's, there's, there's literally hundreds of opportunities. If you wanna serve with your small group, you can serve with your small group. If you wanna serve with your family, you serve with your family. If you want to serve by yourself, like you're like, hey, I don't want to be around other people when I serve, there's an opportunity for that as well. So um, there's opportunities on the weekends, weeknights, weekdays. I promise you there is an opportunity for you. And I want you to at least explore them because here's, here's the reason why we do this. This makes it really, really easy to be a good neighbor. I mean, we all have to take responsibility personally for being a good neighbor, but this is our ch- church's opportunity to make it really easy for you to step up and be a good neighbor in this community. So explore those opportunities. Explore those opportunities and see where you can take a step in that direction. Let me pray for us and then uh, we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for uh, the work that you're already doing in this community, the stories uh, that come back, even just from one partner like Mentor Me, the the countless stories that come back of kids being mentored and poured into and encouraged and, and truly the trajectory of their life changing because a mentor spends some time with them after school during the week. Um, thank you for this organization, the countless others that, that we get to partner with. God, it's an opportunity you put in front of us um, and it's incredible and it, it's such an easy opportunity to be what you've called us to be in our community, a good neighbor, Lord, um, that we would love you with all our heart, soul, and mind, God, but we would also love our neighbor as ourselves. Would you help each of us? Wherever we're at with you, wherever we're at with faith and with church and everything else, God, would you just help each of us do that well today? Show us the specific next steps that we could take to do that. We pray it all in Jesus' name, amen.